Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Birdman. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Birdman, we're completely ignorant, but it's probably not a virtue. I don't know. I'm sorry. That was that wasn't that good. They don't have a tagline. Is what's what's the subheading to this? The virtue of virtue of ignorance. The, the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you try making a joke out of that. It's not easy. Anyway, <laughs> if you've never heard this show before, then hold on to your noses because we're about to shoot a warm load of entertainment right at your head. <laughs> oh my god! Essentially. You're reading too deeply into that, Joel. Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a caption contest, a quiz, some average impressions, some awful xylophone playing, some silly side effects, and a whole lot of banter. So do stick around. Now, this week's film on trial is the 2014 drama Birdman. Is it Birdsong or Bird Flu? Hopefully, mm. we're going to find out. That's a lot more highbrow than I thought you were going with that, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I was going to go for a bird poo, but yeah. uh, I changed it. <laughs> no, that's that's where I thought you were going. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd lie. tie it in with the whole pandemic thing that we've got going on at the moment. Um, now, just oh, to oh, say, good to make links. Just to say, this will be a very spoilerific episode. So if you haven't seen Birdman yet, check it out. It's free if you have a Netflix account, or you can listen to this episode after you've watched it, or you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by Alex, which will start around the 45 minute mark, I reckon. Uh, now, before we go on, our last film on trial was uh, The Lovebirds, um, which I'm, oh, I'm going to try and sum up uh, using nothing but sound effects. Hang on. Is that a chainsaw? Uh, Which one, that one? No, I, th- I thought there was a chainsaw. It was a cowboy saying yeehaw. The implication is that there's a horse there as well. <laughs> <laughs> See where I'm coming up? See where I'm coming up here? Right, okay. You couldn't have found a neigh sound effect or something? I didn't have a neigh sound effect. <laughs> okay, well, I'll see. You just you do a neigh sound. Neigh. Is that better? No, that's much better. better. That's much better. Now it's lovebirds. right okay Alex you judge that trial and you deem that it should be placed on the shit list now you've since gone away and watched the film what do you reckon did you make the right call or not I I do think I made the right call in the end Uh, I do think there was lots lots of uh, good bits in it but I just don't think enough for it to be remembered for a particularly long time so um, yeah a good watch but not a hit I don't think Okay, thank you very much. Uh, well summarised there. On to the bulk of the show. This week's film, as mentioned before, <laughs> is that the horse coming in there? I, 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 love, I love the way, like, 30 seconds after we mention something, we just get it, like, plowed in. It just, it. It just sounded like Ozzy was trying to clear his throat for a particularly phlegmy <laughs> cough. Uh, thanks, thanks for that, Austin. Just remember, next time, just think about what I'm going to say 30 seconds in advance. Yeah, no worries. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, so on to the book of the show. As I mentioned before, this week's film is Birdman. Hang on. I don't know what that is, as usual. Is yeah, no idea, you, but it was well done. Are you having a laugh? It like, sounded good, but I still don't know what it was. 
Last week, I was like mashing at the keyboard. I don't think I got one note right, and you guessed the song there. This oh, week, it sounded played... melodical. <laughs> it sounded good. I just couldn't recognize what it was. It was. Austin, any takers? You're a music man. Uh, no, I couldn't. I had no idea what you were playing. Well, obviously, you're for the And he was a well. music man. <laughs> <laughs> I was obviously playing Nelly Furtado's I'm Like a Bird. Oh, that classic. <laughs> hey, that is a classic. You try and write a bear song, pal, about birds specifically as well. It's quite hard. Right. Anyway, um, it, this film wasn't picked out of the hat at random, but it was this month's personal pick and it's the turn of Alex so Alex uh, as Alex picked this film he will be defending it and Alex is a bit like Michael Keaton's Riggan Thompson as in the words of Emma Stone's character Sam he hates bloggers he mocks Twitter and he doesn't even have a Facebook page (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and all of the other roles have been picked out at at random so joining Alex in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Dave. Uh, I haven't written anything about you, Dave, here. I've got, I've just got dot, 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 as in like I was going to write something later, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so does anybody want to uh, insult Dave, uh, liken him to one of the characters? No, I, I like Dave. I don't think we should Thanks, insult man. each other at all. I, I was, was going <laughs> to say, this is a very nasty part of the podcast. I, <laughs> I, I don't think we ever signed off on this part of the podcast. Do you know what I mean? You just started doing it. I'm not I, joining in. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it because I'm judging, so I, I can't really join in. But what I can say is um, Dave's like the DVD case uh, full of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, yeah, okay. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Joel. Uh, and acting as prosecutioner trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be me and Ozzy. I'm a little bit like Lindsay Duncan's theatre critic, Tabitha. A failed performer who is now just really bitter and spends their time shitting on other people's hardware. <laughs> <laughs> That's true of all of us. And Ozzy is just like Zach Galifianakis's Jake, bearded, bespectacled, wears a lot of suit jackets with black t-shirts underneath, and is a real <laughs> creative driving force behind the scenes. Oh, it's it's true. Man. That's yeah, very very true. I was also going to say how uh, everyone thinks you're a bit of a biff as well, but I left that <laughs> out. Uh, <laughs> just like real court advocates, will be making the best case for our roles. These may or may not be our real opinions, however. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear our genuine thoughts. Which means this week, Joel will be playing the most important role, as he will be playing the judge. And Joel is just like Emma Stone's character Sam. He's sullen, and he would be impressed by meeting one of the. Guys guys from American Pie and also after years of cycling he's got a great ass <laughs> now Joel must decide which list the film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion and it's good as he mentioned before he has never seen the film uh, now before we get started I think we should uh, give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what the film is about so let us spin the wheel of impressions Okay, so here we read out the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week it is landed on Alex. How would we like Alex to read out the synopsis? I'm thinking Birdman. Mm. Yeah. Michael oh, yeah. Keaton, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 I think so. Okay, that was kind of a parody of Christian Bale anyway, so I'm just going to get that <laughs> one, yeah. Um, a washed-up superhero actor attempts to revive his fading career by writing, directing, and starring in a Broadway production. That's good. That's all right. That's pretty decent. 
surprised. Much better than I thought you were going to do. Much no, me better too. than I thought. No, me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> if you start yeah. with lower expectations, you can only... Exactly. You know, That's how exceed. I live my life, Joel. they're currently um, trying to resume filming of the Batman in Scotland at the moment aren't they so you know it's only a short train journey up you could maybe give Robert Pattinson some pointers about how to speak (laughs) like Batman Anyway, uh, without further hesitation, Joel. (laughs) 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 Sorry, sorry. Joel, would you like to kick off the seedings, please? Uh, I certainly will. So, you know, um, Brucey, you picked this film. So why don't you just give us a brief rundown of the plot, but I'd also like to know why you picked it. I know you briefly touched on it kind of at the end of last week's episode, but just in a bit more detail, you know what? the film you know kind of means to you without going into uh you know too much gushing (laughs) can't promise promise the last bit uh i I thought this would be a good film just because uh i went to see it with my wife and we both came out with like polar opposite opinions like i turned around i was like wow it was amazing she was like no it wasn't and you know like really really disagreed with her about it and um so yeah she was right wasn't she (laughs) you leave her out of this (laughs) like she i I thought it'd be good because it's it's a bit of a i think maybe there is like a marmite film and you can discuss it on both sides so so i thought it'd be an interesting discussion and also i just love the film i think it's i I think it's a really really interesting one from start to finish um very innovative and does lots that hasn't been done before so so just have a quick run through uh, it's based around Regan Thompson, played by Michael Keaton. Uh, he, he's a has-been actor, and he's famous for this Birdman trilogy in the 90s. And he's trying to gain recognition now as a serious actor by uh, writing, directing, and starring in an adaptation of a Raymond Carver short story. And like the similarities here are pr- pretty clear between Michael Keaton uh, and Batman. You know, Birdman, Batman. You know, it's it's very clear that that's 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 a big part of it. Um, and you know, it, I think that the great thing in this film is that makes it instantly personal. So you go straight into the character almost because you, you like, it's odd because you see that well, Michael Keaton's basically, is he playing himself? And I don't know, it just really lets you into the character pretty much straight away. Uh, to help him in in, in producing the play, is uh, he's got his disaffected ex-addict daughter, um, Sam, who's played by um, Emma Stone. He's got his co-stars, Laura, uh, played by Andrea Risborough. And Leslie Naomi Watts, um, as well as his friend Jake, played by Zach Galifianakis, and ex-wife Sylvia, uh, by Amy Ryan, they all give incredible performances, as you'd expect from like from actors of that caliber. It's a, it's a really interesting cast to bring together, especially Zach Galifianakis. I, I thought when I first watched this, I was like, oh my god, that guy's a great actor, and he looks just like Zach Galifianakis, just because he honestly <laughs> didn't look uh, genuinely just doesn't look like him because he's got quite he's quite well put together and he, he, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. Uh, just like susan sarandon so 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 really really a really really good cast um but it's not as straightforward as it seems because along with this um riggan thompson's tormented by the internal voice uh, of birdman his his old character that made him famous um who sort of wants him to return to the blockbusters and uh, to make the money basically to go away from doing his theater that he thinks is kind of daft and artsy and not going to be seen by lots of people and go back to the cinema so there's that tension that's sort of brought through you know it, it, this is a film that's kind of talking about how films are made um and you know in hollywoods and theaters and, and acting that that's its main that's mainly what what it's about um there's also there's also that he's talking about um 
sorry, he's also performing acts of telekinesis and levitation throughout. And you're really not sure about whether this is hallucinating or what, you know, you, it just really makes you unsure of what's actually happening in the film because, you know, can he move objects or is this part of his actual breakdown? Like what is happening in it? Just keeps you guessing. The previews start, which is the part before a play is actually released where, where they can sort of make mistakes and it's okay. And they're just disastrous. And, it, and this is a really comic part of the film. Um, uh, you have um, a character comes in, Mike Shiner, who's played by Edward Norton, one of the best in this film of a hugely strong cast who, who replaces this injured actor. And he just starts messing around with it. And, and you know, at one point he gets uh, an erection on stage. He breaks character because his, his gin is fake. And, he, you know, and um, there's a huge, there's big, a large part of the film is a battle between Riggan and Mike uh, all the way through. And those scenes are just absolutely incredible. Talking about him being a method actor, Riggan being this sort of, you know, this, this blockbuster actor, what's he doing in this theatre world? Uh, and it, you know, and a great another com- great comic scene is when uh, Riggan at one point gets locked in his bathrobe and he has to walk through his underpants in Times Square and sort of um, uh, ad lib when he gets into the stage. It, the, the the whole way this film is made makes it so visceral because it's shot in one take. Well, not one, but it, it sort of follows the characters round and it really gives you a sense of being on stage. So when Edward Norton's breaking the character over the fake gin or things are going wrong on stage. I actually found my hands getting like my palms getting sweaty because I was so in it. I, I really, you really feel like you're on that stage with them. Um, the, as the film goes on, his breakdown continues. He begins to drink more and more. The, one of the best scenes for me is he confronts and berates a critic. Um, and, and then later on he gets drunk and uh, passes out on a stoop. And at that point he starts being confronted with an actual visible bird man. And, you know, his old character and his hallucinate hallucinations just become wilder and wilder culminating in this action sequence, um, where Birdman actually looks at the audience and talks about them, like their eyes sparkling and, and, and the board of this talking, it really sort of like cuts that thing between the audience and the film. And you actually feel at one point, like you are being talked to, uh, just to, just to sort of end, end the, end the, uh, synopsis. Um, the play's gone well and, and it's the opening night and, um, you start to see this Riggan has sort of made a decision. He's calm and collected, but he's just seemingly insane. He seems like he's at the end of his tether. And at the end of a film, he, um, at the end of a play, he actually picks up a real gun uh, instead of a prop. Gives this amazing performance to the final scene that just means so much because it's tied into so many themes in, in, in the rest of the film and shoots himself. Um, and it ends where he sort of comes back uh, he's shot his nose off in the end he's he's back in he's made um he's made it the theater critic has written this glowing review of him and uh, and and it sort of ends on this odd point where you're not sure if his hallucinations are real or not so it's a complicated film but for me it's just it's absolutely incredible sorry i know okay. I for a long time <laughs> no that's fine um so gav who's yes. on your team again you and yeah, ozzy is it yeah. Okay. So um, you know, Alex went into quite a lot of depth there, and he did say it's it's quite complicated. Uh, but he also said it's really immersive, and there's you know a, a lot of things to to kind of get into. So uh, you know, two questions really. Do you think it's too complex in that it won't appeal to you know the average person who watches this film? Um, you know, is there some parts that perhaps normal people won't understand? And the the plot overall, do you think it's like enough to keep you interested? Um, and also as well, obviously, uh, did you agree with uh, 
or massively disagree with with anything else Alex mentioned there. I I don't think it's too complex. I wouldn't say that one of the reasons that people might be put off by this is the complexity of the the plot. It's quite a simple plot in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I think one of the things that might alienate people is that it, it is sort of like set in well, essentially one scene, really. Uh, I know that Alex said that it's split over several different takes, but it gives you the illusion that it's filmed within one take. There are several kind of um, areas that, that, that are featured in the film, like backstage, but it it mainly takes place on, on the actual stage itself or, you know, within the theatre. And that might be another reason that might put some audiences off. And, you know, it's, essentially it's it's a, it's a play within a play, isn't it? And uh, some people might not want that. You know, a lot of people go to the theatre to be like kind of engrossed in a film and this is kind of that realistic aspect where it's like oh actually what what you're watching is it actually a, a play is it actually real or not you know you don't know people might not want to think that people might just want to sit down and be you know taken away taken to another world you know this is these are characters that you're watching they're not actors playing themselves or playing a character or you know there's that kind of question mark as to what's real um so, so, so that, that's the that's the thing that, that i'd argue with there um when Alex was talking about the sort of, uh, you know, is it is it real? Is it an illusion? You don't really know whether Brigham's um, telekinesis or his levitation are, are real or imagined. I, I like that initially when it first started, you know, when we were introduced to him, he's levitating. Or is he? You don't know. You know, uh, there's a good bit when Brigham is talking about how bad one of the actors in the play is, and then he suddenly looks up, and then before you know it, a, a stage lamp falls on this actor, and, uh, and then they have to replace him. And you think to yourself, did he cause that with this telekinesis or did he not? You know, who knows? But then as it goes on, this becomes more prevalent and there's a scene where Brigham goes flying and arrives at the theatre. Uh, but did he or did he just take a cab? You don't know. If he would have ended there, I would have quite liked that. But then the, following that, you have a scene of a cabbie running in after him complaining that he hasn't paid. Uh, and that's almost like the film is trying to, you know, have its cake and eat it as well. It's, it ruins it for me then because it took me out of the mysticism of it all. You know, likewise at the end, Alex mentions that, you know, he, he shoots himself on stage and then ends up in a hospital bed. And uh, right at the very end, he jumps out the window and he flies away. Uh, now, once again, uh, if he would have entered... No. I mean, you don't see him literally jump out and fly away. You're not sure. Oh yeah, right, right. So, so, so the the, the way the camera is, the camera's facing inside the hospital room, and right, he jumps out we'll, the window. We'll, we'll get on to the end, then, Gav. You don't go into too much detail on that because I think that's a whole separate point in itself. Okay, yeah, yeah. What well, all I'm saying is that, like, if it would have ended at that, it, you know, it would, well, okay, well, I'll, 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 we'll talk about it more. Detail <laughs> no, no, I, 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 you know, you, I, I see what you're saying. You're saying like about the. Um, you know, was it real or imagined? And that, yeah, maybe it's, it sort of went too far. But I, I yeah. think the whole thing is talking about his mental breakdown. So I like the thing with the cab because it was like he, he lands and he's flying and people are walking past him and not noticing, which is obviously wouldn't happen. So so the whole thing is like, is this in his head and, 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 and isn't it? And what does it mean if it is in his head? So I, I found it, I found it fascinating. It really kept me going uh, throughout the film. And the weird thing is you sort of forget that he's telekinetic and it can levitate. It's not a big part of this film. And then every now and again, it sort of jumps back and you sort of realize that this is his declining. Well, I realized, and I thought, well, this is his declining mental state, you know, that he's, he thinks he can do this. I just thought it was a really interesting and, and unnecessary, but fascinating thing to put to his character. 
right. I thought it was just a bit too much. I thought it was like a, an added thing, you know, just kind of keep the audience interested. It was. It didn't really add anything in the grand scheme. You could have taken it out of the film and it wouldn't have made any difference at all. Uh, but it being in there, it created more questions than it gave answers. All right, so Ozzy, um, you know, Gav said that the kind of canny, can'ty kind of aspect or nature of it um, isn't done too well. Alex says it is obviously two very contrasting sides. You know, what do you think about it? Do you think that, you know, it works or do you think that, you know, it's kind of a pointless gimmick? I'm going to level with you. I found the whole thing quite difficult to follow. I mean, Alex says that some people will be switched off by, you know, you know comp- the complexity of it, and then Gav said, "Oh, it's quite a simple plot." And Gav's, Gav's right; it is quite. I think he said that you can understand that some people might not follow all, all the sections, and I couldn't follow it all the way through. At first, I thought I was into. At first, I thought I was into it at the very, very start. But it's just kind of interesting, you know, a little bit of a nice, you know, a bit of a drama. I was in the right mood for it, and then before you know it, I mean, it was almost Donnie Darko territory at times. And, uh, <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> I will walk to your house. I don't don't even mean that as as too much of an exaggeration. It's that, you know, you've got this, this, um, you know, deterioration into his uh, his inner psyche, but it's, you know, you don't really know it's him talking till till late on. And, you know, the bird man is essentially the rabbit. And it just took me, it was a bit, I just found it a little bit frustrating. Throughout, to be honest, I can see where Ozzy's coming from with with the Donnie Darko reference. Not to say that it, no, wait, Alex. Not to say that it's a, <laughs> it, it's as much of a piece of shit as Donnie Darko was. But you know, the whole sort of is it real? Is it not real? Aspect. I think Ozzy's what Ozzy's talking yeah, about. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it was a bit, little bit. I mean, and again, like in the Joker, where there's times where you you can't tell whether. This is what you're seeing. Yeah, you know, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there was that bit to it, and um, and, and I was a bit more aware of it in this than I was necessarily in Joker. In Joker, I only really grasped that sort of near the end of it. Whereas in this, you you kind of get to it a little bit earlier on, which makes it a bit more frustrating. Like, oh, is this real? And then, it, it, I don't know. I mean, it was just uh, I just found it a little bit difficult to to keep on top of every single bit, you know. And you can't tell whether the um, the, the guy who comes in, you know, Mike, uh, Edward Norton's character, Mike Shiner, when he comes in, he's like, oh, is he a real guy or is he... It was just whole sections where I couldn't really tell whether... It just started me questioning it, whereas I should have just been watching and just enjoying what's on the screen. And instead, I was trying to work out what was uh, what was I actually being shown, like as though everything was a message, everything was some sort of uh, metaphor for something else. And it, it just felt like it was, it was trying to push a message to me, which maybe it wasn't, maybe it was, but... It took me out of the story. Okay, so uh, Dave, like we're going to go on to to the ending now because it kind of ties in nicely with the plot and also the whole um, kind of imagination or not aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the ending? You know, I I know that it's um, you know a big talking point. I remember, like I have seen the film, but I saw it when it came out. I remember googling online, and there were like three possible you know theories um about what has happened and you know a lot of people aren't i would say a big fan of those endings where it's like you know we'll leave it up to you as to what happened type of thing so do you think that it 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 tied up the film nicely and you know do you think that the ending works or do you think that it'll just kind of you know end up frustrating people after after you know sitting there for two hours and watching it 
I don't think it should frustrate frustrate people. I think it uh, it ties in with the film perfectly. Throughout the the whole film, from the moment you meet Regan Thompson, like Alex said, he's levitating in his dressing room. And you're intrigued from from right off the bat. It's like, can this man actually actually levitate, or can he just does he just think that he can levitate? Uh, uh, Alex? No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you wanted to jump in. <laughs> no, like, no. After yeah, you, yeah. The defense is jumping in on the defense. <laughs> this is all crazy. Shut up, Dave. Sorry, Galaxy just forgot what side he's on again. <laughs> <laughs> from the moment you meet him, he's levitating. You are fascinated. You are intrigued. But there's that ambiguity that everyone has been referring to. You know, is this real or does the man just think that he can? Now that I came to the same conclusion as Alex while watching the film that this is just um, him thinking he can. He Birdman starts getting into his head. Literal Birdman's always in his head but Birdman starts telling him uh you know we are a god you know we are we are better than these mere mortals you know we can fly over their heads and things and it, it, he stops talking about making Birdman 4 and making a sequel and actually starts getting into some quite deep dark egocentric sort of god complex sort of um uh issues and so I do believe that yeah he believes he can levitate he believes he can fly the whole film is quite ambigu- ambiguous into whether he can or not and the ending is suitably ambiguous there was no other way really to wrap the film up if you just explained everything you've kind of that is when you'd feel frustrated about having gone on this journey for two hours and then just had it all taken away from you any ambiguity any of your own conclusions you may have made along the way are taken from you and you're given something else to replace them with this way you can keep all the conclusions you've made, you can enjoy the journey, you can enjoy the ending, and nothing is spoiled for you. Whatever conclusions you have drawn can stay okay, with so you, and you can take them out of the cinema with you. Just before I pass back to Alex, there's that scene where um, you know his daughter Sam looks looks up at the sky, and I think that's where a lot of people, you know, yeah. maybe take take issues with it in that she directly doesn't look down. Yeah. Um, do you think that's maybe? Um, uh, her refusing to acknowledge it or is this again like just kind of trying to play with your mind no so so I, i'd say like that happens right at the end okay but i'm not sure if i would say that that was the ending you know i'd say that was like a little bit at the end but i don't feel like you know if you talk about an ending is something that wraps up the story that's already happened beforehand. So the, the ending happens when he's on the stage and he's in the hospital room and Zach Galifianakis comes in and says, wow, the play you made, the things you poured your heart into, um, you know, it's a success. Everything you put yourself towards, everything you've been through made that a success. That's the ending of the film. And then I think, you know, there's this extra bit tacked on where, you know, it does talk a bit about the levitation and things, which haven't been the central part of the film. The central part of the film isn't Michael Keaton hiding his telekinetic or it's about the play. So that's ended the play. And you've got this little bit at the end when you've got the daughter looks up and sees him flying. Now, for me personally, I thought that was more that him and the daughter are finally connected and she sees that he is flying. And I think all the way through the film, the fact is visibility is about him coming to grips with him being a good actor and a good person and actually just fulfilling himself, which is what he wants to do in the play. You know, this will be quite interesting, I think, to see what people thought of the ending. You know, I remember Googling it and there were three possibilities. One is that when he shoots himself in the play, he's dead and everything that happens after that is kind of, you know, an an, an afterlife type of thing. Um, The second one is that he actually can fly and his powers are real. And the third one is obviously that, um, you know, when he jumped out the window, he, he died then and he fell to his death. So, you know, let's just 
quickly go round in like a one, two, three option and see what people actually thought at the end. And so Dave, out of those three, or if you didn't think any of those three, what what do you think happens? Three. Okay, three. Bruce here, your three as well, take it. No, I'd I'd say the one I I I think it's it's more a metaphor in flying and it's more about him being fulfilled as a person. Stop trying to be smart, Brucey. One, two, or three. <laughs> I just don't think one, I just don't think, I, don't, I think just what I said rather than one, two, or three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ozzy? Um, well, I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I, Brucey's just said that all of the other telekinesis nonsense throughout the film is kind of irrelevant. Um, no, like, I, but, I mean, I but I don't, I mean, I didn't, but I don't understand why it is. I just have to say, Ozzy, he's taking your words right out your mouth there. I mean, it's recorded, do you know what I mean, Ozzy? We can, like, play it back. Say, like, did Alex just say all of the telekinetic stuff is relevant? But you said it's not a big part of the film. It's not a big part of the film, but it's a big enough bit of it to make me think but I don't understand I don't understand why it's in there at all if it's not real (laughs) or like that's one of the things like I don't I don't understand why it's even a part of it you know like what like what what, I just don't grasp why it's there whatsoever Um, so so yeah so I've got no I'm none of those three things I don't so you just don't have a fucking clue what's going on, basically. No, unfortunately So, Gav, what, what was your take on it? I think, as Alex said before, the ending isn't that good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Gav, though, when he said that this was a, one of the best films he's seen in his life, though. And Oz didn't yeah. mention that he cried because it, made so, it meant so much to him. Yeah, it, it, was right up there with, it was right up there with Roadhouse for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's more three. But can I, can I just say that... I, I I agree with some of the sentiments that Alex was saying. I, I completely understood, you know, that the whole thing is a build up, you know, of, of you know his uh, mental uh, frailty and also, you know, like the the play is, is the culmination of like years. Yeah, that's of the ending, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Like, but then so, why you have to a bit at the end after? Yeah, that? yeah. That's my main problem. Is that I feel like they had the perfect ending, and then there was like ten minutes tacked on, um, which oh, was essentially just like a, a big question mark. It's like, oh, let's leave minutes. the let's leave it. Well, you know what? I, I'm just I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm, 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 you know, however long it was, you know, it's irrelevant. But it, I think it, it, it's just essentially there to create debate and for the audience to be like, oh, what do you reckon happened there? You know, and it's oh, it's just like you had a good ending or you know, a good enough ending. So you, Before, would you why, just, why would that? you just ended it with him shooting himself? Yeah, I think that would have been fine. I think that would have been a very good ending. And then you had this bit at the end, which mm. essentially just feels like it wouldn't uh, have been nice a, to a leave device. the cinema, though, would it? Like if the ending of a film with someone just shooting himself is a like I watched a film in that would have uh, been hardcore. Yeah, yeah, I, I watched a film in in Milan where that was the ending. Uh, it was I can't remember what it was, but I, I went in by accident and. Um, basically the end of the film it was, was a good it a film, film was it? to that point and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it up until that point I was quite enjoying it it was about a, uh, it was, like, this film was about a musician who sets up a thing on top of a hill and then yeah. um, I see, yeah, I see you don't need himself. to start talking about another film now <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I mean is, is that's probably why it was tacked on is that that's a horrible way to leave a cinema is that oh shit wow cool so you need something else then so that they're not talking about that. Otherwise you all leave, you know, a little bit like the end of Rogue One where you 
I agree with Ozzy. It was a good end. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Dave, have you got something to add there? Just to add to what Ozzy was saying is I, I agree. That's essentially exactly why <laughs> that's the reason. just swapped roles. That's the reason why they've done this. It's, it's to give people hope. It's so you're not leaving the cinema on a downer. It's to give people the hope. There's that ambiguity that, you know, if you want to, if you've been watching this story and thinking it's all in Rigan Thompson's head and you think now that his character has died, you can leave the cinema and believe that. If you believe that there's hope that maybe his powers are real and that he was able to fly away out of that window, you can believe that too. And that is fine. You can draw your own conclusion from this film. It doesn't have to be set in stone. Okay. So I think we've had enough on that now. So let's move on to the cast and characters. You know, Alex mentioned a lot of the, the cast and, you know, it, it kind of speaks for itself in terms of the talent there, but does it all work together? Um, and are the characters all fleshed out or you know, Michael Keaton and maybe Edward Norton or whatever, do they get like the central villain and the others are just kind of there for, for fodder type of thing. So I'll, I'll let the prosecution go first on this one. Whoever wants to go. Right, go, go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think Michael Keaton, uh, you know, Edward Norton and the like, you know, they do a good job, but one thing I did think throughout is, is it not just actors playing actors? I mean, is it really that much of a stretch? Michael Keaton is essentially playing a version of himself. Uh, Zach Galifianakis, Edward Norton, the same. Uh, you know, they're, they're essentially playing versions of themselves. So I think to myself, is that that much of a stretch? You know, should we be applauding them for just being themselves in front of a camera? Uh, my main gripe about this, uh, I'll, I'll try and like speed over this one because I know that we've got only a little bit of time to cover a lot of ground, but is that I don't think the female characters are particularly well fleshed out in comparison to the male characters, which I feel have, you know, many great qualities to them uh, a lot of them are flawed but they have several nice or likable qualities where all the female characters are just not very nice uh, emma stone's uh, character sam uh, she's probably the most well-developed but you know she's the essential the killjoy character you know if you listen to her or followed her advice the fun would stop there you know she lectures rick uh, about the fact that nobody cares and he's worthless you know and, and just basically shitting all over his dreams also She's got daddy issues as well. So as soon as Edward Norton says anything nice to her, she initially just wants to fuck him. Uh, then you got Andrea Riesbrew. I just stopped you there. You literally said she's shitting all over his jeans. <laughs> and his dreams. It, it, it was literally, his dream it's, it's to own a really nice pair of jeans and she shat all over them. Oh, I thought you were implying because she's his daughter, isn't she? And she was shitting all over his jeans as in his hereditary as well, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, right. Um, anyway, Andrew Reesborough plays his girlfriend, Laura. She's just shrill uh, and she manipulates Riggin into committed, uh, commitments uh, because she pretends that she's pregnant. Naomi Watts, uh, her character is just really bad. Um, everyone looks down at her because she has dreams of becoming a Broadway star. But when Riggin has the exact same dreams, nobody shits all over him. Um, then there's like this really weird impromptu kiss between her and Laura comes out of nowhere. Essentially doesn't progress the plot at all. It's never discussed again afterwards. Uh, it's just essentially a bit of titillation. And then there's the, as Alex alluded to earlier on, there's this really weird scene where Mike tries to force himself upon Leslie so he can get in the moment because he's a method actor. And it's essentially just attempted rape. And it's never really, it's it's not like played solely for laughs, but it is sort of played for laughs. There are like kind of funny bits after it. As soon as he gets out, he's got a lob on and everybody's laughing. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I, I don't think there <laughs> are any... 
weren't they a couple? I mean, I, 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 weren't, weren't they a couple? I thought they were a couple and they lived in her apartment yeah, and stuff. Make, like, I know it doesn't give him... I know have sex live on stage in front of so many No, no, I know, I know, but i just trying to balance it a little bit. I don't think, like, yes, that's a bad bit, but I think that's to give you, I mean, genuinely, I think it's to give you a bit of sense of the character. I don't, I don't, like, and I I don't, don't mind think they that. are in a relationship, to be, oh, they're not. To be fair. I, I, I could, I yeah, they are in a relationship. They are in a relationship. Okay, so, yes. So, she says she says I, I've my boyfriend Kenny B in the play yeah right at the beginning and the reason why he knows the lines and can just jump in is because he's been rehearsing it with her at home yeah. for, for god knows how long even I got that pick, haven't I? <laughs> no, it's got to go, oh, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's it's like, disagree. Well, maybe. <laughs> 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 hey, so uh, before we um, go on to the rest of the characters, I'll just give, you know, Alex and Dave a chance to say whatever they want to say about the whole female character. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about it for ages either. Like, I, I disagree with Gav on this. You know, I've, I've agreed with him, you know, when he's brought it up about... Um, Ocean's Eleven and other films like that, then yeah, I think there's a point, but I really don't in this one. Um, you know, when he's talking about the characters, um, Naomi Watts, I don't think everyone is shitting on her, to be honest. I, I can't really see that happening much in the film. She's quite a sympathetic character. She seems Just, like... Do her jeans make it out okay? <laughs> no, nothing to do with jeans. <laughs> uh, she's quite a sympathetic character. She's quite she's quite nice. Uh, she seems like she's good at a job and she's, you know, she's getting a role. So I don't think she's a bad character. Andrew Risborough has a lot of different uh, good scenes in it. Yeah, she she does um, manipulate him with the pregnancy right at the beginning, but she's not shrill all of the way through it. But by no means, these are complex characters. It's not it's not a simple not a simple way of looking at it. Um, you know. Uh, also, I think a lot of the male characters are flawed all the way through it. In fact, I'd say the only character that's not deeply flawed in this, and I'd say it's less about her being a woman than more about her just not being in theatre. Is Amy Ryan, who plays his ex-wife. She seems like a decent, normal, sane person and possibly the only one in the film. So I, I really don't see it in this one. You know, I've seen it before in different films and that, but in Birdman, no, I, I, I just don't think there is a divide between male and female. I think lots of the characters are flawed in many different and interesting ways. And I, I think having flawed female characters does not mean that these characters are bad. It means they're interesting. Okay, so um, Ozzy, what about the rest of the characters then? Um, you know, kind of same questions as before, really. Well, I mean, I think we've kind of touched on on anyone that really really counts already. Uh, essentially, I, I don't don't think we need to go over them too much. I, I'm I'm with Gab on that. I don't, although I don't mind that uh, it's actors playing actors. I guess that's maybe maybe that's a harder thing to do because that you know that's their job. So, you know, they feel like they're being a caricature or something if they're going to be doing actors. You know, it's probably quite difficult to to to, to do that without it being a joke. You are on Gav's side, you know. No, I know, but <laughs> like, you know, it just, I feel like there's so many other things wrong with the film that the acting wasn't my worst, you know, it wasn't yeah. the thing that was bothering me about it. I didn't think it was bad acting because they're in a play. So, it you know, it's hard when, when, that's, the, when that's the sense because they're in a play so you can tell when it's the real life discussion and the other and and the other the the play discussion for the most part but i you know i think if if that was a play that i was going to watch then they acted the play very well <laughs> so um, <laughs> okay like, like i i thought the acting was was generally pretty good i thought the characters were were, were okay um, like gav says that you know there's people 
I find this difficult in, in a lot of the... It's a long film already. To try and build more character into any of them is just going to make it longer. So maybe there's maybe we're given enough to, to know about the characters. It, I just found it was hard enough to... I found it was hard enough to follow anyone other than um, than, than the main character anyway. You know, other than, 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 than it was... It, you didn't need to, to bother too much about the others. I was too busy trying to work out what he was doing okay. to care about the rest of them. Okay, Gav? I had to agree with Ozzy's point about the play not being that great. You know, if I wanted to go and see somebody with curly Wasn't hair... That Alex who made that point? <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> but if, if I wanted to see somebody in curly hair just brandishing a weapon and rambling to themselves in their underpants, then I'd go around to Dave's house. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming my way. I knew that was coming my way. <laughs> Yeah, that seems like a good segue for you to have your say, Dave. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, we're talking about performances. Uh, the performance in this, Ozzy's right. There's not much to criticize here. These are some sensational performances. Uh, at the center of it all is Michael Keaton as Regan Thompson. And I disagree that you, you can't focus on the other characters. I don't think you're really meant to. Michael Keaton is the main focus point here. He is the main character. You know, if, if this was like, imagine the characters as a solar system, he is the sun, everyone else is a planet revolving around him. This is his story that we are invested in. And, uh, you know, the performances are sensational. Edward Norton, I think, was nominated for quite a few awards for his performance here. Michael Keaton, this put him back on the map in, in no uncertain terms. I think Zach Galifianakis, uh, I was very surprised by. This is actually a very good performance. I disagree strongly that Andrea, Andrea Risborough doesn't give a, a great performance here. There's some really poignant moments, especially her last major moment with Michael Keaton. Uh, when they're waiting in the wings for her to go on at this final performance, you know, when she uh, she confesses the things I've been right in their relationship and how she um, is very sorry that she couldn't get pregnant, you know, she doesn't feel like her body allowed her to get pregnant. It's a very poignant scene, and it's uh, I think there's some great performances going on here. Lindsay Duncan as Tabitha, I thought was fantastic. I mean, I, I think she's great anytime I can watch her in anything, but she was mesmerizing in this role as the uh, you know, is she an embittered theatre critic or does she have a point? You don't really know, but it's uh, she's a fascinating character. I don't think they're badly written at all um, so yeah I, I think there's some sensational performances uh, justifiably they got a lot of um, hype around awards season these were mesmerizing you know you can't really criticize this and the, the characters are so well written you know especially the scene where uh, Emma Stone and um, Edward Norton have this scene on the roof of the theater and they play a game of truth or dare which really gets you to tap into their characters I mean I, I was thinking to myself thank god Edward Norton didn't run into Joel up there, I'd be playing never, <laughs> never have a would you rather would you rather on the roof of the theater with Joel? That would have been a very different scene, but like, but no, they yeah. are superb performances, I have to say. Okay, thanks for that, Dave. So we'll kind of get into the uh, you know, any other business end now. So we've got things like um the score, um the direction, maybe the cinematography, the sets, anything like that. So Alex, I'll let you have first tips. Uh, like I, you know, it's surprising that we haven't managed to get to the cinematography and the way this is filmed because it's such a huge part of it. it it's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I just think the technique. You know, I, I sort of did a bit of reading up about you know the different techniques used in it, and I think if I think if you're a, a film director or a budding film director, you know, I think the actual just the actual technical aspect of this is pretty incredible. Uh, just as an audience member who doesn't know any of that, it, it's it's fascinating the way the camera seems to just be able to fly anywhere. You know, it, it, there's a lot constantly bits where you know you're following characters into rooms, these quite long takes, and then you've got people in mirrors, and you never see the camera. Do you know what I mean? And it, it just sort of brought it back to me, like, yeah, it's just a, it's just amazing how they managed to do that. 
Um, the, like I said, the, the reason for this long take is to make it seem like a play. And that's to get you immersed in what they're doing and, and who and what the whole film is about. You know, I think this is a film more than about you know his telekinetic powers and stuff. This is a film for a look behind uh, behind the scenes at film and theatre, the differences between film and theatre that sort of gets to the heart of the issues. Like why do people act? What what is the thing that's driving people? And you know, um, I think the score is another part of it that just meshes perfectly well, just perfectly complements the drama all the way throughout it. It's got this lovely drum solo that sort of slows down when the, when the, when the pace is slowing down and then um, ramps back up when it is. So the, the actual, the, the, the other parts of it, the direction, the, the, the score for me, it's um, flawless. I just think it's, it's, it's an actual like, like no perfect on that side of things. Okay, uh, can't get much better than that, then, Ozzy. Are you going to uh, agree with Alex here, or in 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 some aspects? He's like, going to disagree. I, I, well, but I won't have said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I, I I did think it was quite an interesting way to uh, to to shoot a film, and I, I can't deny that that it's very interesting. It's very technically clever, um, but it is quite tiresome um, to watch. What essentially, you know, like a two-hour, what feels like a two-hour single take. But it is clever. Don't get me wrong. That is, but it is is a little bit hard, uh, just on on the the old grey matter. The thing that annoyed me a little bit is, and I really wanted to like the score, but it made me feel as though it was trying to tell me that it was arty. Was the jazzy drums? You know what I mean. It's like the little offbeat syncopated drum rhythms that keep cropping in, and it just made me think that it was another another concept of the director trying to tell me that this is really clever and you need to know that this is art. So you're saying it's I'm, pretentious. I was trying to avoid the word because I know how much, <laughs> I do appreciate I know how that, much he hates the word. I do so. appreciate that. <laughs> it, um, that. That is kind of how it comes across, the way they've used, the, uh, the, the way the drum beat, the jazz drum beats are used. Um, but it is clever. The, 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 you know, I, think it's, I think it's technically, technically great. But I just don't okay. feel like it's it, it doesn't hit the nail on the head of a two-hour entertainment. Okay. Um, all right. So, Gav, what's your take on any of that? Uh, what Alex was saying about the, the film and techniques being used, uh, the reason they didn't see the camera in any of the reflections and such is because this is like the first film, I think, that was nominated for an Oscar that was shot 100% digitally. So they've, they've probably just removed it digitally. And, and that was uh, one of my criticisms. The whole single take thing is a bit too much. It, it becomes quite obvious that, you know, it's it just takes me out of it. You know, when they start having these looping camera shots and, you know, the, ca- the, the camera is in the middle of a mirror whereas Alex was probably applauding if for that I was thinking like oh I instantly think oh hang on you should see a reflection of the camera and then before I know it I've been taken away from the scene then it, it, it just kind of pulls me out of it uh, so, I, so, I, sorry you, if you had seen a camera in the mirror that would have mean you were more immersed in the film no, I would have preferred it <laughs> films in a way that I'm not thinking about um, it's like being able to see a mirror directly in front of me because then I'm automatically thinking I should be seeing a camera right now. I'd rather just have it, you know, from a, a, you know an angle where we don't get a clear shot of the mirror. Um, I, I, I like really long drawn out scenes because it adds an element of realism to the proceedings. But this is just a bit like a shiny bell and whistle that distracts the audience throughout. Uh, you know, at the film, the film ends up getting 
getting ruined by its own film device and that the scenes when the camera pans through the backstage area uh, sometimes they're waiting for people to appear there's a scene of like an empty corridor for about 30 seconds uh, and again that happens like throughout and i think the um the the, the single camera thing is really noticeable um when there's like transitions from night to day or vice versa because it's it becomes obvious then that it's not a continuous take and i i think somebody mentioned this when we were doing 1917 and we were talking about having to um as an audience watching this film and kind of trying to figure out where the cuts are you're watching it and like oh look there's one there there's one there it's it just takes you away from from the scene um and as one reviewer said, and you know, oh. they were talking about the the, the long. <laughs> they've asked to be remain remained anonymous, by the way. But they said the one long take thing was very annoying and not good. And they've asked to be uh, anonymous, so oh, yeah. I'll just call them Rosanna X. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> do you know what? I read that one as well. I read another one by it was uh, Gavin X as well, and it said I really enjoyed that film. As well. do, you, do, you remember, do you remember that review? Uh, I, <laughs> I think it was right like I, 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 don't, I don't remember that review, but I remember you, you saying about twelve seconds ago how much you, you hated this film. You dirty son of a bitch. Okay, you said so you wouldn't use it. <laughs> all right. Um, so, Dave, I'll give you a chance to uh, have your say as well before we wrap it up. Thanks, man. Uh, just talk about the cinematography. I don't think um, it does detract at all. I, w- I was mesmerized by it. Some really clever camera work going on here. And what Gav was saying about you know the empty corridor, it feels like you know he's tried too hard to make it a play and people have missed their cues. It's like, well, yeah, like in a play. I feel that's what it, you could easily edit that, that corridor scene out where you've got like a couple of moments of space. But it is like you're watching a play and an actor... Ha- I mean, Gav, you've, you've done a number of plays. I distinctly remember you in Half a Sixpence uh, messing with a blind for about a minute, which is a long time to be messing with a blind because your co-star had missed his cue and hadn't burst through the door yet. Now, this hey, happens in plays. Exactly. To the best of and this reminded me how irritating that is. <laughs> but this is meant to feel like a play. I mean, we were talking about the soundtrack as well. I mean, you may have noticed that that a drummer can be seen. The soundtrack is kind of like this this gentle uh, jazz drum. Well, it's gentle at times when uh, tensions are ramping up and actors are squaring up to each other. It crescendos a bit more. It becomes more frantic. Um, It can be uh, moments of tenderness. It can be more soothing and more gentle. The drums kind of keep you immersed in in what you are watching. The drums keep you you understand what the character is feeling. It builds up tension when appropriate. It soothes things down when appropriate. And at some point, you can actually see a drummer in the background as he's walking down a corridor. There'll be a drummer in the side there. Um, and it's not the actual drummer. The idea was that he was put in there to make it feel like a play, like you are watching the guy making the soundtrack. The soundtrack was actually done by a guy. What was his name? Is it something Sanchez? Um, it's in my notes. Bear with me. Antonio Sanchez did this now he's not the drummer he was on tour at the time so he wasn't able to appear in the film so we got a friend of his to do it he then had to when writing his soundtrack mimic for even of those frames where his friend is drumming on film he had to mimic where he was uh, hitting his drums and work that into his soundtrack that he was writing at that point and he did it brilliantly this guy was a genius and he did exactly what Inyarita wanted him to do because Inyarita wanted this to be darkly funny he wanted this to be a comedy the drums are not there to make you feel like this is artsy or that it's intelligent in some way. It's it's to make it feel like it's a comic sort of thing. And the thing with the, the repeating shots going down a corridor, and Yuritu said it was so easy for it to ruin timing. 
the key to, to comedy is timing and inserting the drums in there helped him keep the rhythm of the performance, helped him keep the rhythm of the script and keep that timing going and keep it funny. And it helped him. It served as a purpose for when he was editing the whole film together. It was nothing, nothing highbrow, not trying to be artsy. It was a technique and a very clever technique to make his, his job easier. And it worked, and it really elevates the film and brings something new, new and very different to it. The only reason why it wasn't nominated for any awards for the soundtrack was because he inserted a couple of classical pieces. When Riggan um, believes he's flying, in my opinion, believes he's flying. Uh, I think it's Tchaikovsky, or is it Mailer? Um, that one of their scores uh, plays while he's flying, just to show how, when he's in his own head, he is completely elevated beyond the basics of, of like a gentle dr- jazz drum solo. Uh, but because of that, they'd gone and used uh, pre-written material in the soundtrack, and that meant it was disqualified from any of the awards. Other than that, there was a, there was a lot of people tried to get it nominated um, because they thought that Antonio Sanchez did such a great job, and he did. But because of the snippets of classical music that were used, it couldn't be. But um, for Don't Undersell the Score, it was it, brilliant. It won a ton of other awards. Not the Oscar, but it won like... Yeah. I think all the yeah, it was the Oscars that, that had... That we found it a contentious point that the classical music was inserted, which is a shame because I think it could have won that year. Okay, so I think I've got a fair bit to chew over there. Alex, have you got a nice little quiz for us? I do have a nice little quiz for us. Um, okay, so, you know, this is, I think I was going to do a quiz all about birds, but I realised Joel had done that already because we're doing a bit of a birds theme at the moment, aren't we, with our, uh, <laughs> our picks? Yeah, it was sort of unplanned as well, which I think is really nice. That's a frightening bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's some films. Here's a quiz about films about films, basically. Um, number one, uh, in 95, we had Get Shorty uh, about a mobster played by John Travolta who uh, tries to get into the film business. Uh, which actor is the shorty part of Get Shorty? Danny DeVito, are you short? It is Danny DeVito. <laughs> is it? <laughs> and he is short. It is. Well done, Gav. You get the first one. Uh, sorry, I'll, Dave, I'll, I didn't see your hands raised yeah, there. Yeah, sorry, Dave. So are we buzzing in or? Yeah, buzzing. Buzz yeah, in. okay. Okay. Uh, next one. Um, in The Artist in 2011, it's about the death of silent film. How many Oscars did that film get in total? Mm, two. Um, four. This is four. <laughs> Dave? Seven. <laughs> Seven. Gav? Five. Spot on, Gav. It was five uh, Oscars in total. I think it was for picture, director, music, actor, and for costume. Um, In The Producers, with um, Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder, the two um, scam artists are trying to make a flop of a play in order to, to, uh, as financial fraud. Does anyone remember the name of the play that they end up producing? Yeah, bam. Um, Uh, Gav? Springtime for Hitler <laughs> and Germany. You are correct. Well done. <laughs> uh, in 1950, we had Sunset Boulevard, an absolute classic. Uh, William Holder plays a screenwriter who gets into a dangerous affair with who played the who played the actor actress. Sorry, the older um, actress. Um, Go on, Dave. Betty Davis. Oh, not Betty Davis. Bam. All about Eve. Bam. <laughs> yeah, Gloria Swanson. It is Gloria Swanson. Well done, Gav. Jesus, four for four at the moment, Gav. Well done. Um, okay, uh, eight and a half is the 1963 Fellini masterpiece that blew people away. Uh, you get a point if you've actually ever watched it. 
<laughs> yeah, we, 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 we were going to watch it <laughs> the other day. Yeah, uh, we, I haven't uh, watched it. Dave, have you watched it? No, no. no. Yeah, Aussie. footballer. Say again. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's his hundredth birthday, isn't he? And they're uh, maybe doing a retrospective at the moment. Oh, um, okay, no idea. But but no, there's the answer. <laughs> no, right, no one gets a point. I'm afraid. Um, in adaptation, that in 2002, it was it was about a screenwriter who ends up writing himself into his own adaptation. Who does Nicolas Cage play in the film? And there Bam. are two points. Bam. <laughs> Go on, Gab. Charlie Kaufman. Yes. And his brother. His twin brother. Um, Andy. Oh, close enough. And uh, Donald. Oh. Andy, uh, Andy Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, oh, no. it's a big family. Yeah. Uh, in 2013, we had Saving Mr. Banks. Um, Tom Hanks tried to get a really bad habit of Walt Disney's into the film. Does anyone know what the bad habit he was trying to get into it was? Anti-Semitism. <laughs> it should have been, but it wasn't, Gav. Um, I'm going to give you a point for that, Gav, just because I agree with you. <laughs> um, anyone, anyone, any ideas? Um, smoking. Smoking. Uh, Tried to get smoking in, but he, uh, apparently Disney just vetoed it. The only thing he could do was put a cigarette out. So every scene he's in, he puts a cigarette out, but you can never see him light one up. Um, pretty simple question here. Uh, the Greatest Showman was about, you know, circus, which, you know, some say is a precursor of entertainment, you know, cinema. Uh, was P.T. Barnum a complete shit in real life? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, we, considering uh, we spent 95% yeah. of that episode talking about it. I just wanted to re-gauge the room a little bit on this. I, uh, I, I think it was I think it's quite <laughs> funny because it's mentioned in Bad Bad, isn't it? He was yeah, talking about yeah, him yeah, and yeah, I was like, what, oh, that's what how, me. how many years before um, Greatest Showman was it? Because like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's obviously yeah, Hugh Jackman and co have watched <laughs> that and got like, nah. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like a douchebag, a douchebag's born every minute. Yeah. That's what I think that's the quote from uh, oh, is this it? one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, Just like P.T. Barnum. From what I hear, yes, he was. Can I tell you the story when we were doing this, uh, greater, the show, the Greatest Showman that uh, my great, 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 great something ancestor was uh, was part of the P.T. Barnum. Barnum circus. And, uh, really? Yeah, and he was... I uh, knew there was something about yours, he went Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, <laughs> he, he was like an elephant handler or something. And he, uh, oh, wow. he had to kill one when he escaped in New York. Him and, oh my God. Him and like six guys, they had to <laughs> stop this elephant, yeah. Any idea how Sounds like it? it could be a film itself to me. Yeah, they strangled it, yeah. They, they stra- <laughs> strangled <laughs> it. Like he was oh a cowboy, yeah. With a oh my like lasso. Have you idea of him like joining arms or something like yeah. that? Yeah, it sounds, pretty, <laughs> sounds pretty horrific, yeah. There's a um, there's a newspaper article online, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Again, I, I, explains a lot, Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that they left that on the cutting room floor when it comes to the issue. But... <laughs> I always wondered where that irrational fear of elephants came from. My but... <laughs> no words. So, yeah, there we go. Okay. Um, right, last few questions. Um, no, last two, actually. Trumbo, um, which uh, has Brian Cranston playing uh, Trumbo during the um, blacklisting of screenwriters has uh, John Wayne, who's a pretty terrible person in real life, as the president of the Screen Actors Guild. Does anyone know what the real name of John Wayne was? Was not called John Wayne. Um, Dave. 
Marion Morrison? It was Marion Morrison. Marion Michael Morrison, which is uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know as well. Uh, for a bonus point, does anyone know how he died? Didn't he have like uh, stomach cancer, but didn't he have like about 40 pounds worth of undigested meat in his colon? Yeah, uh, full of shit was the answer I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> um, the exact opposite to you, guys. <laughs> I was going I'm for afraid, the more scientific I'm phrasing. Afraid I, can't, I can't give you the point on that. Sorry, I was, I was quite specific that I needed that answer there. Uh, <laughs> and the very last one um, in 1997 uh, was Boogie Nights, all about the porn industry. Um, does anyone remember the porn star name of Mark Wahlberg's character in that? Bam. Um, oh, sorry, Dave. On Dave. Is it Dirk Diggler? It is Dirk Diggler. Well done, Dave. So uh, I think that quiz does go to Gav. Well done, Gav. What a win. Um, this is a half-eaten box of old Freddos. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Big in. <laughs> but, no, I want Dave. that back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, yeah, I, I feel like I get kind of quite tough ones to judge. I just like next time I, I'm the judge, I just kind of like, you know, a suicide squad one where it's just already written in shit basically before <laughs> we even start the podcast. But, you know, I'm not going to kind of beat around the bush, if you like. But I think kind of what swung it for me is that, you know, a lot of people on the, the prosecution, i.e. Aussie, kind of mostly agreed with some things that uh, that Brucey and Dave said. And a a lot of it came down to not so much nitpicking, but, you know, kind of smaller points about um, maybe the whole kind of psychological aspect and, uh, you know, maybe not wanting to watch like this whole kind of single shot for two hours. But, you know, I think Gavin Ozzy mostly agreed that the acting was very good. The cinematography, I didn't really hear much against that either. Um, you know, no. Gav mentioned a few things about some of the female characters in there. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to watch it again because I, when I watched it last, um, you know, it was just after it came out. There was a lot of hype about it, and um, you know, I, I can't really remember many of my feelings about it. So, I mean, obviously, it's got it's going on the it's going on the hit list, but you know, we'll see what I think of it. Yeah, I, gonna, I just, like, I genuinely, I think you're going to hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> there are I, no explosions in it at I, all, Joel. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there is, yeah. I, yeah there is. I'd, I'd also like to say that Ozzy did agree with a lot of things I did say, but he also did disagree with a lot of things I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> let's just keep that in mind. My favourite Ozzy point was when he said... Um, you know, that you just disregarded pretty much everything that you just said in the uh, in the previous <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay, so thank you very much for that, Joel. Um, honest opinions, uh, Casey, what did everybody think? Alex, we know that you really yeah, liked it. it because you asked for it to be placed um, on trial. Uh, yeah. Dave? Um, when I first watched it, I watched this just after the, the Oscars, after it won big. Um, and first time I watched it, I didn't like it. I really didn't care for it at all. I thought it was... Um, yeah, I, I kind of got some of the criticisms you guys were saying. It felt a, a bit overthought, and it just, it just wasn't my cup of tea. If someone had asked me, should I watch Birdman? I'd still say, yes, give it a shot. It's just not my sort of thing. And then I watched it again ahead of this podcast, and you know what? I actually really enjoyed it. I just don't you I was in the right it. frame of mind. Sorry? Is it because you had to enjoy it to get all of the good bits out? Ready I don't think it? so. I think I just I knew what I was walking into. I think first time around, I didn't know what kind of film it was going to be. And whatever I was expecting this wasn't it. I mean, I don't know how you could expect this. It is quite an out there film. It's really, it, it's different. I mean, you can't, you've not seen a film like this before. 
So I don't know how you could expect it, but it just wasn't naturally my thing. Knowing what I was about to watch, I could suitably prepare myself for it, you might say, but I genuinely enjoyed it. I really did uh, like this film. I'd say I actually like this film now. So I've come around. So thanks, Dave. Um, I I actually, yeah, I, I really like it. You know, I, I watched it uh, when it first came out. I really enjoyed it. Um, I watched it when I went uh, to China for work. It was on at like about seven o'clock in the morning um, and I was late for a meeting because I really, really wanted to keep on watching it. Um, it was one of those things where I know I need to leave, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, the, the, uh, you know, I, I agree with some of the things I said. I think the like the female characters uh, could be better. You know, they, they, they could. I, I could. I definitely understand um, what Alex is saying, but I don't know. For me, the female characters, they felt more like female character stereotypes maybe that's just a hang-up that i've got there watching uh from watching you know so many films uh, whereas you know like the, like the male faults yeah like roadhouse yeah just like roadhouse but you know the, the male faults in, in characteristics they don't tend to be uh, stereotypes of, of gender whereas you know the female ones do but you know i think it's just a it's just, it's just a common thing you know it's just a you know it's uh, something that i pick up on um but yeah i, I think that it's a, a very well filmed film you know, I think the performances are very good in it as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think you made the right call, Joel. Uh, Austin? I went into it thinking it was going to be a different film, uh, basically, a bit like Dave. There's that um, I didn't particularly enjoy it, but mainly because I found it quite difficult to follow. I was expecting one film. I got a different film. Loads of good things about it, definitely. Um, I think it is very clever. I think it is pretty well shot. Um, but yeah, I thought it was... It feels like it's trying very hard to be art. Um, and I went into it trying to hate it as well. So that I had enough to argue <laughs> about. Um, so I would it like to watch it again. Yeah, 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 I would like yeah. to watch it again uh, in, you know, maybe a couple of months' time and see what I actually think about it then. Um, but yeah, I went into it trying to hate it um, and came out not particularly enjoying it. So. Maybe that means it's good. Hey, there you go. Not it's hate good. It. Yeah. You didn't manage to hate <laughs> yeah. it. You just so, came out not liking it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I'd definitely watch it again. There's enough. There's enough good in it to want to watch it again. Okay, thanks, Ozzy. Uh, okay, so is it higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was The Lovebirds, which scored sixty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to say uh, higher. A lot higher. I'd higher. say this is in the nineties. I think. I'd love it if yeah. it was lower just to see Brucey's face, but I, I think higher. Okay, right. It's, it's a more interesting one. Is it higher or lower than the previous film before Lovebirds, which was Dunkirk, which scored 93% on Rotten Tomatoes? Ooh. Maybe lower. Surely. I'm going to say bang on 90. Yeah. So lower than Dunkirk. Okay, it is lower than Dunkirk. Uh, not too far off, Alex. It's 91%. So once again. Audience score. Uh, the audience score was uh, 77, so much lower. Um, but yeah I, 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 yeah, I was reading a number of the reviews and there were more divisive reviews than I thought they were going to be, to be honest. You know, with a film that scores 91% critical, uh, you know, consensus, I was thinking that, oh, the, well, the audience must agree as well. But yeah, 77. Uh, I think that's reflected quite well in our Twitter poll again because that has resulted in 71% of our listeners deciding it should be placed on the hit list. Um, so yeah, more divisive than I think uh, we thought it was going to be originally. Uh, now, before we adjourn the case, I think it's time for a little caption contest. So what we do here is we take a screenshot of the film, put it on Twitter, and ask our friends and followers to provide a funny caption with the best one winning a chocolatey frog-shaped treat. 
although all of the photos at the moment are out of date and and I'm unable to get to the post office to send them off. So uh, it's going to be an, an ode, Freddo. I owe you a Freddo, essentially. Uh, so the uh, screenshot we've got here is Rigan Thompson just after he shot himself in the face in his hospital bed with bandages covering his face slash nose. So you guys have just got to tell me which one the best one is. Starting with number one, eyes without a face. And then the, a very helpful gif of the film as that face in there where uh, she's taken off her mask. Uh, and number two, faced first, they said. Oh, uh, maybe it didn't deliver that well enough. I'm sorry. Uh, number three, Phantom of the Avery. And number four, mask. What mask? I was finding it quite funny just watching your deliveries rather than, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of zoned out about what you were actually saying but yeah, no, I, I liked Phantom of the Avery I thought it was quite clever I yep. feel like you know maybe the picture wasn't that great of a, of a choice um, <laughs> should have gone with the one Joel told you to use yeah you should have gone with a different me? picture basically because what did you uh, tell me you know, to use the hey, you know, for you why do you guys weren't that great and so uh, you know i'm blaming that purely on you oh well, listen i i apologize now to any of our listeners who are listening to this and have submitted the caption contest for this caption okay admittedly i could have gone with a better image but you know you tried hard you shouldn't be shot on all by joel here you know i, I, I congratulations to lucky Vetiver, lucky Vetiver. Yeah. Anyway, you've just won yourself a flippity Freddo. He's and... absolutely robbed a Freddo. Freddo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's funny because Joel is essentially just nominated himself to do the caption contest next week as well. So thanks, Joel. Um, okay, so the next film what has not been. Film? Uh, well, uh, you should know this. It's all bird related. Remember, we picked out our films at the beginning of the month. No, it's not bird box. Uh, would you just, if you waited like 20 more <laughs> seconds, run. I would have told you. Is it chicken uh, run? It's not fucking chicken run. <laughs> Is it the birds? It's not the birds. Any other bird films? Anyone can have uh, Bird on the Wire? No. Um, no. Bird no. Cage. What about no, Rio? Can we watch Rio? No, we're not going to watch Rio. Good. We've already picked oh. the film. Maybe. Maybe. Can we watch no. that really short film, uh, Piper? Have you seen that on Disney? That's good. <laughs> I love that. That's great. We should uh, do that. Uh, what about like, Happy Feet? Uh, oh, who doesn't love Happy Feet? Eh? <laughs> uh, me, I'm beginning to not like Happy Feet right now, to be honest. Uh, uh, we, uh, the film is... Fly Away Home! <laughs> Jeff Daniels. Who doesn't love Jeff Daniels? Fly Away Home! Can we watch Where Eagles Soar again? Let's do f- oh, oh, yeah! Where, where, Eagles, where Eagles there? there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> where Eagles Soar. It's <laughs> Artemis Fowl. Artemis Fowl okay, is the next good, film. What is... Right. Oh, is that the one? It's a Fowler bird. Film? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't hell. really fly. I'm going to fly over here in a minute. And I'm going to absolutely... Oh, right, okay, right. The balls have been picked out of the hat at random. So in defense, uh, trying to get it on the hit list is going to be Dave and Austin. And in the role of prosecution, trying to get it on the shit list will be Alex and Joel, which means I will be the judge Okay, right. Everybody happy with that? I don't care. Moving on. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode and who has submitted a caption for our caption contest. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you very much. If you like this episode, why don't you give us a like, a share, and a subscribe, and why not leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? Just spread the warm love that is Films on Trial in as many ears as possible. And check us out on all social media, at Film Trials on Twitter, and Films on Trial on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That is it. 
Birdman is a hit, thanks to Ozzy. And we will be in your ears <laughs> next week with Artemis Fowl, which is a type of bird. Poultry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Poultry <See> guys. <laughs> 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 <laughs>